Hey, well, good morning, everybody. I'm uh, Gary Shioham. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you to our church. Today is Sunday, November 25th. It is officially one month away from Christmas, if you can believe that. Time flies. Well, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, I want to just say to you, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, and everything give thanks, right? And everything give thanks. And, and so that's what we're going to do today. We thought we would just, again, hit the pause button on our series, Faith in Action. We've been, we've been going through the book of James. We're going to just hold off on that for one more week. We'll come back to that next week. But today, because we're just, we're post-Thanksgiving, we thought we would have a few people come up here and share with you what it is that they're thankful for. And I think that you're going to be absolutely amazed and inspired and touched by what they have to say. You're going to hear from eight people in total. Three will be on videotape because they couldn't attend all three services. And then the other, others will be here uh, live on stage. And so you're going to get a chance to, to hear from them. And I, you'll probably need, you might need a tissue somewhere through the service. So we, we, we set out some boxes here and there um, for you. Um, and... Um, before we begin, I want to open up our time in a word of prayer, okay? I think prayer is so important. I want to ask you to pray for a couple things. I want you to pray for Marcos Pena, his family. Marcos lost his dad on Friday evening, the day after Thanksgiving. And then I'd like for you to pray for the newest addition to our church. Her name is Dylan Michaela Dudong, and this is her right here. She was born just recently, uh, weighed in at 1 pound 12 ounces. And she is, a, I guess she's considered a micro preemie. But she is doing well. She must have had some turkey on Thanksgiving because her dad, Michael, told me that she's starting to gain weight, which is a good thing. She'll be in NICU for a while. And hopefully she'll, she'll be fine and she's going to go home. And so her mom and dad, uh, Michael and Pamela, is, are you here today? So I don't know if Michael, is that, is that you? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what I thought. So they're here today. So let's just pray for little Dylan. That, that she will just keep growing and getting bigger and stronger and all, all her organs will develop. <clears throat> so she can go home and be with family. Hopefully even spend Christmas there, maybe. All right, so let's pray for that. And uh, Dylan is a reminder, her life is a reminder that every child, every baby is a gift from God. All right, the moment a, a mom and a dad, when a moment she conceives, that which is inside of her is a life. It is a life, and it is not to be aborted. It is not to be taken. And Dylan reminds us of that. Even as she came out at, at one pound, at 12 ounces, um, she is a precious life. So let's pray for these things, and then we'll get started today, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you. What a, what a blessed day this is. What a, what a joy it is to be here today. And God, we, our hearts are just overflowing with gratitude for Dylan's life. God, we thank you so much for her. What a precious little baby she is. And we ask, God, that you would allow her, you would have your hand upon her, and that you would allow her to continue to grow in favor with you and favor with men. We pray, God, that her body would grow, that she would continue to, to, to get bigger and bigger every single day. We pray, Father, that along the way, there, there are absolutely no com complications, zero complications. Allow all of her organs to develop, God, so that here very, very soon she'll be able to go home and be with her mom and dad and family. God, we pray for Mike and Pam, that you would touch them, that you would give them strength during this time. You would give them faith and courage during this time. Keep them going, Father God. It's a, it's a very stressful time for them. And God, we thank you for Marcos's dad, God, for the faith that he had. And we can't imagine you here in the holidays losing a loved one. We ask, God, that you would extend your grace and your comfort and your blessings upon Marcos and his family. And Father, this morning, we are just so excited to be here
God, you have just blessed the people in our church in such amazing ways. And Father, the stories that we're about to hear are really gonna tug at our hearts, gonna inspire us, and it's gonna move us because you're a good God, you're a great God, and, and you're who we have to be thankful for. So this morning, we commit each, each and every one of our speakers to you today. We ask God that you would bless them. We ask God that you would bless us and speak to us through their lives. So thank you, Father. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, good morning. Hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving break. Um, we're, we're excited today. Um, I think especially for the pastors, one of the privileges we have is to get to know a lot of you guys across three services. And uh, with getting to know you, we hear a lot of stories, um, a lot of difficult times. But out of those difficult times, we, we see a lot of triumph. And I, I just wish that all of you got to hear some of the stories we, we hear. Um, but today is a, a, an opportunity for you guys to get a glimpse of some of the stories. And so we're thankful for the people who are willing to come and share a part of their story. Up here on my left, we have Adrian and Shalanda Williams. And on my right, we have Kathleen Kamakawa Gibbs. Would you guys welcome them to the stage this morning? <clears throat> Uh, Adrian and Shalana, let's start with you guys. How long have you guys been attending South Bay Community Church? Um, so we've been here since January 6th of this year. Okay, and I, I know that you guys were here a little bit before that. You guys were actually um, transplants. You guys moved from Chicago, where you were born and raised. Tell us a little bit about that journey coming from Chicago to L.A. Well, we moved here knowing that there's a grace on our lives. So, um, But before we moved... Um, our jobs were able to transfer us, and uh, we knew what church we would attend. But someone spoke over us, like, be open, because you never know what will happen once you get there. So you guys had it planned out. You knew, you knew what church you were going to attend. You knew what jobs you were going to work. You knew where you were going to live. Um, you had your ducks in a row. Did it turn out the way you expected? Um, so the entire first year here was like being on vacation, right? Coming from Chicago to a warm state like Los Angeles <laughs> or like uh, California, you know, it was like no snow or at least Southern Cal, there's no snow. It hardly ever rains. So um, it was wonderful. You know, the malls were new. The people were new. Our, uh, our, even our jobs were new where they were at. And then um, our church was new. So, you know, everything was great. Um, our journey, however, did take some unexpected turns. Um, as unfamiliar people and places we were encountering, encountering began to feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, it seems like the place we were in just wasn't quite fitting the puzzle that God had kind of laid out for us. So it began to be really uncomfortable. Um, in the midst of that, you know, uh, my wife and I both became a little bit homesick and, and we were trying to figure out, man, you know, did we really make the right move? Um, if you guys were here doing my baptism, uh, you know a little bit about my testimony. Uh, some of that began to rear its head again. Um, I began to drink again, and um, depression started to set in a little bit. I became a man that my wife didn't even recognize anymore. And um, it got so bad to the point that we even thought about, you know, just leaving each other, going back, you know, I'm going back to Chicago. You know, we're separating. And, but God had other plans, you know. Um, he said, no, I planted you guys here for a reason. He took control of our relationship at that point, and here we are today. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I, I, I've really appreciated coming to know you guys, um, and it's been helpful that you guys have been so open and transparent about 
the struggles you guys have gone through, even with your marriage and relationship. Um, Shalanda and Adrian come to our Tuesday night prayer meeting and have shared quite a bit with us there. Um, with, with all the unexpected turns and all the failed expectations, have, have there been moments where you've seen the hand of God upon your lives, reasons to give thanks and all of that? Well, um, we experienced a turn um, after um, praying together alone a lot. We decided to, let's have fun, you know, let's go on a date. So we went um, during the daytime to Redondo Beach Pier. And um, as we're walking on the pier, we had just got there. A group of people came walking our direction um, from the lifeguard group here. Um, it was uh, Jonathan Park, Annie Mason, Elder Gary Fukumato. Um, I'm not sure if Chris Chen was there, but Jonathan saw my husband's shirt that says, without Jesus, I suck. And <laughs> he started talking to... <laughs> He um, complimented the t-shirt, and uh, Jonathan was talking to Adrian, and it was so light. Before we knew it, we were surrounded by these people, and um, uh, yeah, we couldn't get around them. And so um, um, before we left them, Annie Mason, she kind of touched my arm, and she said, do you guys have something that you want us to pray about? So um, I looked at my husband. and I asked him, is it okay? And um, he, he, he nodded his head. Um, and I, I looked at them and I said, well, we're praying for the drinking. And we're asking God for a permanent deliverance. We're asking God to help my husband. And um, Elder Gary, um, before they prayed, Elder Gary started talking to my husband. And um, Adrian doesn't have a, his father. His mother raised him. So it was almost like a father looking right to a son. And Elder Gary just started talking to him and encouraging him. And Jonathan Park started talking about Paul having a thorn in his side and things that he had to live with and um, weights and burdens that Paul had to carry. And they prayed for us. And they went along their way. And they gave us literature. And I kind of stashed the literature way, and um, pre- uh, actually, I asked my husband, like, can we go? And he's like, no, that's a Korean church. So. <laughs> it was really? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, and so, uh, eventually, my husband was at work one Saturday, and I was out and about, and I remember that Annie Mason gave me that address. And I was like, he's not here. I'm going. So I went and I came on a Saturday and my husband came the next Sunday and we haven't left. Um, a Gary, an elder Gary was here. Andy was here. We hugged them. They remembered us. Um, and Pastor Greg was nice to us and they embraced us um, even after they heard our testimonies. We've been coming ever since and we love it. Wow, that's amazing. We still have a lot of stories to share today, but thank you for sharing that. And if you could share one thing with our church, a word of encouragement, how would you encourage them? Um, so two scriptures that really come to mind, especially when um, dealing with us moving here, um, would be Romans eight twenty-eight, which is all things work together for the good of those who love God, um, who have been called according to his purpose. And the second uh, is, is uh, 1 Thessalonians five eighteen, which is... In, is, is and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Amen. Amen. And we are seeing that at work. 
As God is working all things for your good. We've been excited just to see Adrian baptized. Adrian and Shalanda are a big part of the ministry. Shalanda, as you guys have noticed, have, has been on the worship team playing the drums, singing vocals. Um, and the, most importantly, they've been connected to our prayer community. And so a lot of what you experience as a church comes partly from their prayers. So thank you guys. Um, Kathleen, how long have you been here at South Bay Community Church? Um, my husband and I have been coming here for just a little over two years. And uh, we are thankful that you've been coming here. Uh, one reason is because of what you guys have been able to start. Um, the staff here, we're so thankful that some of the ministries here were initiated by volunteers who saw people in need. Uh, Greg Higa started the Heaven's Kitchen Ministry to help the, the needy. Um, Debbie and Rebecca and Dwayne lead our uh, grief share ministry to help those who are grieving. And Kathleen and Michael came to, to us and said, hey, can we start a divorce care ministry here at the church? We said, absolutely. And they have, they just finished their first uh, 13-week course. It, I've heard great things. A lot of people have been super blessed by the, the care that that ministry has given them. Um, but I know it's not something we're just thankful for as a church. I know it has to be deeply meaningful for you. What, why are you so thankful to be part of something like that? I think it's counterintuitive to be thankful during a time of despair and when your life is turned upside down. But Philippians 4, 6, 7 is a verse that um, is engraved in my heart. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, mm -hmm. present your requests to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, this is a promise from God that carried me through a really difficult time. Um, looking back in time, I think I had um, an immediate crush when I first met my husband. We were in high school, and by coincidence, we ended up going to the same college, and we hung out with the same circle of friends, and although we didn't date, we were really good friends. Um, after graduation, we reconnected, and we instantly clicked, and we started dating. We we're inseparable. We spent hours just sharing our dreams about our future, and we knew we really wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. So in 1991, I married my best friend, and we were so excited to start our happily ever after. Um, we decided to move from the South Bay and to Orange County to start our family. Um, we just felt really blessed um, to have two beautiful children, um, a wonderful home, and jobs we both really loved. Um, you know, as I'm listening to your story, it, it does sound like a, a fairy tale story. Um, you got married, had two beautiful kids. I, I'm thinking about Adrian and Shalanda, um, how everything was new. There's this newness, there's this excitement of a new city. But we know that a lot of times newness wears off. And so how, how did things uh, pan out as, as you started to settle down into married life? My husband's job had um, really demanding hours. He worked in a hospital, and sometimes he worked graveyard shifts while I worked more of a traditional schedule. Um, I found him spending a lot more time at the hospital, and even when he was at work, um, he took a lot of phone calls. Um, so it came to me as a complete surprise um, when he told me that <clears throat> he had developed um, a special friendship with a female coworker and that he um, wanted to pursue that relationship with her. Um, telling our four-year-old and seven-year-old that their dad wanted a divorce, 
was hands down the most difficult thing we've ever done. And even 16 years later, that memory of that day, these are my two kids when they were little when we told them, um, it still haunts me. I fell into deep despair. I think I stopped eating. I, I know I've lost 12 pounds in five days. And when I wasn't crying, I just wanted to sleep. And, and when I would wake up, I would say to myself, wow, that was like the worst dream I've ever had. And then I realized that it wasn't really a dream, that that nightmare um, had now become um, a reality. He wanted to move really quickly through the divorce, and I was just filled with a ton of anxieties about our children, child custody, finances, where were we going to live. And people were just saying to me, Kathleen, just take it one day at a time. But honestly, for me, that was too much to do. I just could barely take it one hour at a time. Yeah, you know, when, when we hear that, our hearts break, um, as we know that your heart was breaking. Um, the verse that Adrian shared, <clears throat> Romans 8.28 says, we know that in all things God works with good of those who love him. And sometimes I think we picture God as in heaven saying, ah, this is going to be for good. They'll see. They'll learn from this. Um, and yet we know that that's not true all the time. God's heart breaks too. His heart is compassionate toward the brokenhearted. He's near. So were you able to see God's nearness through all that? Yes, my pastor um, referred me to a Christian therapist, and it was during these sessions that I would go over the anxieties that I was struggling with, and she prayed for me, and she gave me scripture um, that would give me strength and peace, and Philippians 4, 6, 7 is one that she shared with me, and I have to be honest, I, I really initially struggled with this verse, because I, for me, it was really easy to come to God and present my request to Him, but to do it with thanksgiving, um, with all the pain that I was going through, um, that was like almost impossible. So she instructed me to purchase a journal, and, and in this journal, I would write down my prayer requests, and as well, I would try to find something that I could consider a blessing and be thankful for. So each morning before I would start my prayers, I would read these blessings out loud um, and say thanks to God, and God was so good. He just really carried me through, and as prayers started getting answered, um, my strength really, I mean, my faith really strengthened. And it was also at this time, a girlfriend of mine told me about Divorce Care, which was a program that was being offered at a local church. It's a 13-week program that covers topics such as anger, financial care, kid care, forgiveness. And it was here that I met people that were struggling through the same things. And I learned that true healing would really come from only true, truly surrendering everything to God. Yeah. I, you know, I, I know it's incredibly hard to do in just five minutes, um, but to share the devastation and the despair and the impact it's had on you, uh, I don't think you can properly convey that. But I'm sure there were days where you just couldn't imagine coming out of that storm. Like, is this ever going to get better? How are you doing today? Well, fast forward to today. I can say with a sincere heart that even though the divorce is one of the most difficult things I've gone through, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this season. Um, and I wouldn't change anything about my life. Through the grace of God, um, I'm remarried to an incredibly wonderful man. He's just so kind. He makes me laugh. And most importantly, he prays with me every day. And my children, here they are. Um, they are incredible. They're resilient and they're strong. But most important, this is when God really became real to me. My relationship with became real and just intimate, and I know God is all I need. Amen. So, yeah, thank you, Kathleen. I know you guys are excited. Uh, Kathleen and Michael, 
plan to keep the divorce care ministry going. Tell us about what to expect. So we'll be relaunching the program in January. So look for the information um, in signups in the flyers in the church bulletin. So January, if you guys think you could benefit from divorce care, please sign up with Kathleen and, and Michael. Um, I want to turn your attention to a video. But before we do, you know, when we pray, when Pastor Gary opened us in prayer, he asked us as a church to pray for Dylan, who was born one pound, 12 ounces. Adrian, can you stand up for, for everybody? Check this guy out. This guy was born at one pound, six ounces. And God can fill you out, amen? <laughs> By the grace of God, we know that we serve a mighty, powerful God who is able to not just give life, but save life and fill life. So we, we keep praying for Dylan. Would you guys turn and um, check out this testimony from a, a brother named John. Here's John. My name is John Irizawa, and I've been coming this SBCC for about a year and a half. You know, every single week you give us a, um, a packet um, and it contains prayer requests. And I'm always amazed because the packet can be seven, eight, nine pages at a time. And um, there's a lot that you're asking prayer for. And so what are some of the things that, that are usually contained in these prayer requests? Well, most of it has to do with um, my health issues. Um, unfortunately, for the past year, my health has gone downhill really badly. I used to have only three prescription meds. Now I have 16. I was only seeing two doctors. Today I see 10 doctors. A year ago I could walk. Today I uh, sometimes I can't walk, and walking is very difficult. One thing I'm really concerned about are my eyes, because I have diabetic eye damage, and obviously I don't want to lose my sight. Recently lost about 70% of my hearing in my right ear. I described a little bit how living in my truck makes it difficult to get healthy. I figure the best thing I can get is prayer, and you have a prayer ministry, so why not just tell everything I need prayer for? It just happens to be a lot. <laughs> I started work when I was in elementary school, and I haven't stopped working till October of 2017. From that point forward, my health has just deteriorated. I'm physically not able to work anymore. I'm on social security disability. John, I'm always um, surprised that though many people in a situation like yours would walk away from the Lord, you come early every Saturday to service. You're always the first one in the worship center. Um, and recently I noticed that you'll come, um, but you don't stay. You actually leave before worship service starts. Um, why do you even come if you're going to leave before the service starts? Well, the reason I don't stay for a service is because I've been too sick to last through the entire service. But I want to make sure I bring two things. One is my prayer request. And second is my offering. I'm thankful that all of my material needs are met. I have, I have food, I have clothing. You know, 
I have blankets, sleeping bags, uh, hygiene products, everything. So the only thing that I need is housing. Well, I'm grateful that <clears throat> my mother is being well taken care of in a very highly rated nursing home. I'm grateful that I have access to food every day. I'm grateful that I found a place to shower for only $15 a month. I'm grateful that um, I can pray for all the people I run into at the waiting room. So I see 10 different doctors, so I'm frequently in a waiting room. So I'm grateful I get to pray for all the other patients. I'm grateful that I can have a truck that I can shelter and sleep in. I have to drive all over LA because I have to see 10 different doctors. So as I'm driving around, I see hundreds of people sleeping on the street. I did some research and there's nearly 60,000 homeless people in LA County, 60,000. So I'm so thankful I have a truck to sleep in. I'm grateful that um, we have a chronic illness ministry here at SPCC, and I'm grateful for the prayer ministry where they pray for me. What I'm most grateful for, the most important thing I'm grateful for, is that I have my salvation. And uh, I'm assured that I could go home to see Jesus and be in heaven and be with Jesus for eternity. That's the most important thing I'm grateful for. Isn't that amazing? John Irizawa, he was here last night, came at 4 p.m., dropped off an envelope with his prayer request and his offering. Does that every week. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had an envelope in the office. I guess he missed it, and he, there was an office in the uh, a, a, an envelope in the office. <clears throat> so, he decided to open it. I never open any of the offerings. I don't know what anyone gives here, but uh, we opened this envelope thinking it was a letter or something, and it was John's prayer request and fifty dollars. He's a guy that lives on disability. I don't know how much he gets for disability, but he makes sure that he gives his offering. And I'm so inspired by him. You know, one of the things that uh, John, uh, we decided to, to not share with you, but he we, was on tape just for time's purposes, just because of the sake of time. But one of the things he shared was that when he was a young boy, he was regularly beaten by his father. His father's gone now, but he said that at one point when he was six years old, he was beaten to a, and to use his words, I was beaten to a bloody pulp by my dad. And that was made to answer to the name stupid. He says, your name's not John, his dad, dad said. Your name is stupid. You answered as stupid. And so because of that, John is very shy when it comes to people. He has a really difficult time interacting with people and being, being in social settings. And you can only imagine when you've experienced that kind of abuse, how, how it is that you're going to kind of pull away from people. And that's kind of John. And so you won't see him fellowshipping here because he's just afraid to be in a situation with a lot of people. 
So we've been racking our brains, wondering how it is that we can help him. He, he told us a few weeks ago that he had about $400 left in his, after, every, after he pays for everything, his $15 for the shower and his food and, and medications. He has about $400 left. And he says, I, I would love to be able to get a place for that. And I said, well, you know, we're going to ask the church. We're going to mention it to the church. If, so we're just trying to get ideas. If, if, if any of you have ideas on how we can help him. We'd love to hear from you. Just, just fill out a connect card and let, get us your contact information. Just say, here's, just quickly, here's an idea. And then we'll sort through those and, and try to be in contact with you and see what we can do to help him. Don't you think we should help him? Yeah, so thank you, church. Hey, I want to introduce to you Lisa Mikami and Sky Blonde. And, and you're going to hear from them now, but uh, this is Lisa. So Lisa, will you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? How long have you been coming to South Bay Community Church? And, and tell us a little bit about who you are. I came here two years ago almost, and I came during the Set Free series, and it was something I really needed at the time. Um, I was adopted into a Jewish home, being an Italian, and um, I had an adopted Blackfoot Indian brother, and we both um, grew up with our parents, but they adopted us, I think, they really wanted us, but it was something of they adopted us because it was to save their marriage. So it didn't work because nine, when we were nine years old, my dad left my mom for her best friend. And it was something of where it was a really hurtful time. And um, my brother, as things happened, it started to be where he would um, hit me, which was usual. but. Um, it got more and more ever since that time it kept increasing and it got to be where it was regular hitting choking um, just really terrible things with stealing my stuff and my belongings and selling it and he got into drugs and alcohol and and such and my mom was worried about me so she had me move out when I was able to and in my dad's home, there was, I wasn't wanted there. They were into things that were not of God. And I had loved God ever since I was a little girl. I never not loved God, but I couldn't find him because of being raised Jewish for me. Wow. So um, I was, when I moved out, friends were into drugs and alcohol, and my parents didn't care about me, so I just felt like, I don't care about me. I just really didn't care if I lived or died. Mm. So um, that went on. I had many jobs, and th that went on till I was um, my mid-20s, and I met my husband, and we were married, and um, had our first daughter of two. And it was something of where um, over the next 10, 12 years, we buried everyone in my family, so I have no family. Mm -hmm. And so it's something of where, um, as my girls grew up, it was something of where they left home in really hurtful ways to me personally, and were estranged. And I haven't seen my mm -hmm. oldest one in two years, or heard from her in two years, and my youngest one in four years. What about your, your relationship with your husband? My husband, a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, 
went on a different path with his faith. And it was something of where I, I couldn't go. And I just, my love of Jesus, I, I can't not love God and serve him first. So he separated from me because of, of that and has been very unkind to me since that time. And all through my life, I've, I've struggled with thoughts of suicide because of just the hurt. I, I want to love people and I want to be loved. And it was something of where in that dynamic, it was so hard. Um, and it was just something of where when my husband and my girls went their way, I came really close to suicide. I think we all want that, don't we? We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. So Lisa, I mean, what are you thankful for this year after all that you've been through in your life? Are you thankful? I am so thankful. <laughs> I am so thankful because when a friend took me to her church, being raised a Jewish person and not being able to find God, she took me to her church, and it was something of where they were, it was Pentecost, which I knew nothing about. She preached, um, the, the pastor preached about the blood over the door and on the sides, and I knew Passover very well. So when he said that, that it was in the sign of a cross and Jesus was the last sacrifice, oh my gosh, the tears just started. And I, I found my Messiah, and it was just so wonderful. And so... Um, when my friend told me about South Bay Community Church, I came here being very hurt and broken. And it was something of where I have never felt such compassion and love in my life. And I came to talk to you because I wanted to make sure it was okay. I came here and your words to me is just stay and let us love you. Hmm. And wow. I thank you for that. Oh, we love having you here. So what's one word of encouragement you would want to share with uh, your church family here today? Just that if events or choices that other people make that affect you are so painful to you that you just feel like you can't get through it, just know that you can go in your little prayer closet and close your eyes and just reach out to Jesus and tell him your pain, tell him how much it hurts, that you can't bear it. You need to give it over to him and ask him to carry that pain. Ask him to help you through because he came to give us life, not death. It's the enemy that wants to destroy and kill. And to realize that in Jesus, there's so much power. There's so much mercy and grace. And that you can find through brothers and sisters and their prayers and just through God, you can find what he designed you to be because we were all born in this time for a reason to serve him and if you need help i'll be glad to help you mm. by the way lisa go ahead uh, if you want to yeah. even when you've experienced so much loss you can there's a reason to be thankful there's a reason to have joy and that's the lord jesus christ if you don't have him in your life maybe you're jewish Maybe you're Buddhist. Give him a try, and he will change your life. Lisa told me that she, she wants to live the rest of her days just serving the Lord uh, in any way that she can, serve the Lord. In fact, she has a, God's given a kind of a special heart for John, who you just heard from. 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to, if you, if you fill out a Connect card and say, I've got an idea here to help John, we're going to give all those cards to her. And we're gonna, we've asked her because at the staff level, we're just so overwhelmed with, with, with things that Lisa's going to help us out with that. And so your cards will go to her and she's, she might contact you, you might hear from her. And we'll try to figure out how we can help John. But thank you so much, Lisa, for that amazing, amazing story. Um, this is Sky Blonde. Is that, your, is that really your name? Yes, it is. That's his real name. And I happen to be his physical trainer. Um, <laughs> Sky, tell us how long you've been coming to church. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I've been coming here just about two years. And uh, I'm from Hawaii. And my parents are Japanese. So I was adopted as well. Wait, wait your, your parents are Japanese? Right, yeah. Wow. Uh, they were kind of grandparent age. So they already had three grown children when I was adopted. And uh, my adopted father, who I don't refer to as adopted, but for the sake of everybody here, uh, he worked for the government, and so I was adopted through a government program uh, pre-birth, actually. So uh, I was wow. born and raised by Japanese parents. Uh, so Sky is my name, but I was called Sora or Sora-chan when I was young, which is Japanese for Sky, and uh, from Kakaha in Kauai. So that's sort of what the area that I grew up in. In that environment, in that setting, I, as much as it seems counterintuitive here uh, in this place, I was the minority. So. All of my neighbors and my friends and my aunties and uncles were all Japanese, Polynesian, Tahitian, Samoan. Uh, there was one black guy there who he and I were best friends. Uh, <laughs> and it was uh, an atypical experience for sure. Yeah, so tell, tell us a little about your life. You, you joined the Marine Corps. I mean, tell us a little about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, my, my father, adopted father, was rather aloof. He wasn't really in the picture, as well as my blood father wasn't uh, present as well. I think those two impacted me at a rather young age and made me feel somewhat insecure. And I think uh, young boys, men, were all kind of looking for fatherly approval and love. And so that uh, set me on a mission to try to prove my worth. And uh, always wanted to be an extremist in everything that I did. So I joined the Marine Corps because it was the toughest. Uh, went into some pretty extreme things in the Marine Corps and uh, had pretty viscerally difficult experiences. And through that process, began to become very numb to emotion and feeling. I think that made me a great tactician in a, in a strategically tactical environment where you've got operation objectives and uh, things that you're achieving for, quote, the world stage or global good. Uh, if you turn off the emotion switch, you tend to be very functionally uh, proficient. However, it makes you terrible for relationships. So that set me on a course of uh, really sort of isolating myself emotionally. Um, I wasn't a believer, didn't grow up in an environment that was very Christian, even in Hawaii. It's very, uh, you know, pagan in, in such a fashion, as well as the Japanese influence. Uh, that, that definitely factored into what I thought was right and wrong. And so uh, in the Marine Corps, just being in very much a machismo, um, good old boys club environment where you're all sort of tough and trying to make each other tougher and challenging each other to be tougher, um, again, I think that that sort of seems like a failure to go into believing in God or, or believing in something. It seems as though you quit or you, um, you surrender, and that's not a term that most men really understand nor want to pursue. And so you almost perceive it as being sort of a, a failure or a weak mode to go into that. However, um, I was in a relationship with a, with a woman that was a believer, and I think that I thought I was a believer because I was going to church and checking off the box. I uh, was going to church for about two years when that relationship ended, and it was through that uh, experience, it was a rather catastrophic experience where that relationship ended, uh, that really broke me. And uh, I've left a lot of friends back in combat zones that never came home. I've taken life myself and kind of numbed through that process, but this experience in a relationship really broke me to an extreme degree. 
Um, and I have to digress a little bit to add context. Uh, when I was in combat, lost some really good friends. One in particular who was a believer. Uh, one of those areas in life I could see that God was planting seeds and reaching out to me, but I wasn't uh, very responsive to that. Uh, I didn't have any tattoos prior to 2015, and when Cain died, uh, you know, I got this tattoo as a memorial to him uh, because he, he laid his life down essentially for me. I'm here because of uh, him not being here. And uh, this is also representative of Ephesians 6 that talks about the spiritual armor that we put on. And Cain always made it a point as we were gearing up and going to our particular drop zone um, that he would go through that sort of mental process of reciting what that uh, spiritual armor meant and how it impacted and, and would sort of illustrate it. Uh, and so it meant a lot to me to remember Cain and that experience. And so when my relationship ended and I broke, uh, all of it started to connect. And I started to see all the areas in my life that God was uh, reaching out to me. So uh, Cain died. One of the guys on the team took his own life that night because uh, it was too heavy for him. And he actually shot himself right in front of me. And I was so angry. I was rather emotionless at this time. But I guess anger is an emotion that you can hold on to as a man. And so uh, I remember punching him. He was dead right in front of me, and I was so angry. I was just completely wailing into the guy because I was so angry that he would take that moment away from our brother who had fallen. And so, uh, again, all of this kind of coming into the, the point of my relationship ending, I broke, and a lot like David exclaims in the Psalms, I filled my bed with tears, and uh, I didn't eat or sleep for three days, and I was an absolute broken version of myself. And I finally understood what it's like to deal with uh, struggles and thoughts of suicide. And uh, so to wrap it all up, I, I think in that moment of, of being at a distraught place, uh, I, I remembered hearing in a call-in, it was sort of like a, an environment where people could call in and get support and biblical guidance. And a gentleman called in who was ready in that moment to kill himself. And the pastor who had uh, responded had said to him uh, something almost atypical or sort of counterintuitive that we might not profess to proclaim to people, but he did in a very discerning way. He said that, uh, you know, that's probably one of the best places you can be at to be ready to kill yourself because that means you're ready to give up on your own efforts and energies. He said, why not give it to God? Why not give your life to God and see what he can do with your life? And so that, that struck a chord with me. And so after three days from August 15, 2011, the three days that I sat and pondered and considered and cried on 8-18-2011, I gave my life to Christ. And from that point on, everything changed. It's as if all I wanted to do uh, was read scripture to get into the word and, and to add a little bit more context. Um, I, I was about halfway through law school at that point, and I remember having never read a single book. I was just a student that sat in class. I was attentive. I was engaged. I was a copious note taker. I would ask questions, and that's how I learned. But as of that day, I desired to read. And so I opened scripture and couldn't put it down. And in five and a half months, I pumped through it. Never felt as though that was forced. I had this desire that uh, could not be quenched by anything but God's word. So I think for me, uh, to really wrap all this up, uh, it meant that I can't do it on my own. And I'll, I'll, I'll sort of illustrate that with uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, where there's, you know, with, it, with an attorney mindset, you think of the difference between a covenant and a contract, where a contract protects yourself and a covenant does everything that you can for the other person. That's very uh, marital in nature. It's like our relationship with God. And in that scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 7.10, there's a distinction after experiencing grief between the recipient who does it on his or her own versus the recipient who does it with the grace of God. And so uh, that to me is, is clear that when we experience grief in our life on our own, it leads to death. But when we experience grief and we experience that in a biblical sense and we experience it with God in our focus and Jesus in our heart, that leads to salvation. And that's a humongous distinction. Wow. Wow. Sky, thank you so much. Yeah.
First of all, thank you so much for your service. It's great to have you here at our church. You have, I, I, Sky filled in a little bit of the details for me on some of the things that happened when he talked about a relationship that ended catastrophically. I mean, it was really catastrophic. I mean, you, you, you're not even giving, getting a sense of how catastrophic it was when he talked about losing Cain. I believe that he died in your arms. I mean, I can't even imagine, we can't imagine, right, what that must be like to be in a theater war and experience that kind of uh, situation. You can tell that, you know, that Sky is a very smart guy. He's a very tough guy. And maybe you're out there and you think you're really smart and you're really tough. You need Jesus, man. You really do. And I think that's what Sky is most thankful for, right? Absolutely. Yeah. God's word and, and God's people. I mean, having that in your life is wonderful. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, you guys, for, uh, for being here today. We're going to close with uh, one more story, so I'm going to have you take a look at the screen, okay? This is Ted and Sandy. I'm Ted. And I'm Sandy. And um, we met on uh, Coffee Meets Bagel <laughs> uh, in October of 2015. The dates had gone well, well enough <laughs> to, for our relationship to keep going. And, um, and so... Shortly after that, or not shortly, but we got married in February of 2017. And two months later, we found out that we were pregnant with our son, JT. I um, didn't expect things to happen so soon or quickly. So, um, you know, praise God that, um, you know, we were able to get pregnant. He, uh, <laughs> he took his time. That was all 30, 30 hour labor. Eventually, he made his way out, and um, yeah, love at first sight. He loved bath time, and learned to grasp your finger right away, and he really liked either really high-pitched sounds or really low-pitched <laughs> sounds. And like colors, he liked lights. Lights, yeah. Well, it was uh, July 8th. He was almost six months old at the time. We are coming home. From, uh, from Life Group and uh, got a call from uh, the grandparents saying that he, um, something was wrong. And so, so we rushed home and um, he had, he was found unresponsive. So we called 911, we called our, our, uh, uh, our, our neighbors who are physicians and you know, they rushed over and started CPR and then the ambulance came, took him to the hospital, and uh, they were able to, to get his vitals back, stabilize his vitals, uh, and he, he fought for uh, about 12 hours, I think. The doctors uh, didn't, didn't see any um, response. Um, he was still non-responsive. So we started uh, calling all the family. We all prayed, prayed hard for him. Passed away at um, 1:24 on uh, July 9th. Um, a lot of whys. <laughs> why us? And why him? Yeah, just not not understanding what had happened. Yeah, wondering what um, what God had in, in mind or in store, and. Um, how, how we were gonna uh, move forward. Yeah, the timing was 
was something that uh, that we struggled with because we had actually just dedicated him uh, and um, Ted's my mother-in-law's church it was the same day really it was earlier that day yeah it was a conflict of emotions because you know on the one hand we're wondering it just felt like his life life had just started um, but on the other hand it was it was a relief that we had actually dedicated him to God so we know where he is and where he will be. Yeah, we're, we're grateful for our, the church community, Ohana group, our young couples group, um, our old, uh, old church um, community. Uh, for myself, like my church friends in Boston, um, my church friends from Orange County, um, and then East Long LA, all came together. Um, Sandy's um, uh, community in New York, coming together and being present being with us. The life groups here have been very um, gracious and um, supportive and they've, uh, they've brought us meals, um, they've, they've taken us out, they want to do activities with us and include us and uh, they're always checking in and they just, uh, they just love on us. Yeah, and I've noticed that um, our marriage um, feels like it has gotten a lot stronger as well just because I know he has probably felt the same things, the exact same things that I have, you know, the kind of doubts, the, the fears, the, the um, moments of anger, um, like that. Um, and I know that I can find him at any time of day and that he's not going to get tired of, you know, me wanting to talk about it. And there's nothing that we can't talk about now. Yeah, with everything that we've been through, um, I think what has really kept me close to the church is actually Ted. Um, I, I find that his faith um, has been really inspirational for, for me. Uh, as much faith as uh, this has taken to, uh, to get through the past few months, um, I, I was looking at it from God's perspective and how it also takes a lot of faith from God uh, to trust us with something like this. Uh, with something that, you know, losing our child for, we have to carry this burden for the rest of our lives. So to know that our uh, Father in Heaven loves us so much and has so much faith in us, um, it's just incredible, you know, that, that He believes in us this much, you know, that we can you to live and uh, you know trust in him um, that we have this uh, purpose um, uh, that we have uh, something to live for you know that can still honor God with our lives you know that just inspires us to um, be better believers um, stronger believers you know hopefully that we can um, you know, share God's love and that more people will come to know Christ. And I'm so thankful to Ted and Sandy because when I first asked them if they'd be willing to share, understandably, uh, they said it's too soon. And I, and I get that. I said, that's... 
that's okay. Um, but later on, they reached back out and said, I think we can do it. Uh, we want to share our story. And so they came in, and we got to film this. Um, man, what a powerful story. And, and the reason why they can still tell the story is they're still here. You know, they haven't left. They're still coming to God. And so I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, one thing that they shared with me as we were doing this interview, which absolutely just blessed my heart, was uh, Ted and Sandy shared with me, and they said, it's okay to share with you guys, that God has given given them another child, and they'll be expecting uh, coming 2019. So we thank God for his ability to give life and to rebuild. So praise God. I want to close just by sharing a little um, little thought that I had. As, as I heard everybody sharing, there is one thing in common in everybody's story, that they all had to carry a weight, right? There's a burden upon each person, and, and that's something we all share in common with them. Some had the burden of homelessness, some had the burden of loneliness, some had the weight of, of sin, and some had the weight of guilt. Some had the, the weight of losing a loved one, and some had the weight of losing an entire community. All of us have weight upon us, burdens we have to carry, and for a lot of people, weight causes us to, to stop, right? As Christians, the Bible says we have a race to run. We need to pursue God and we pursue heaven. And for many people, the, the burden is something that will keep people running a different race. From running this race and wanting to turn in a different direction and running away from God. Because why would God do this to me? All of them had weight to carry. I want to show you a passage from Hebrews chapter 12 talking about weight. It goes like this. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight, every weight, and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, check this out, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here we have a picture of a race, and let us lay aside, and in the Greek, really, the thrust of it is let us throw off everything that hinders us, this weight. It's actually a really uh, interesting word in the Greek, which is the original, original language. It's the word onkon. It's a funny word. Everyone say onkon. A little bit louder. One more time. Onkon. Onkon is weight. It's a, it's a hindrance. It's, it encumbers you. Onkon sounds a little like a word that my, my daughter uses. My, my daughter, she's one and a half years old, and she's learning to talk. She has like a few words she could say. Um, she starts using hand motions to communicate what she's saying. So she can say, obviously, she can say daddy, which was her first word. Amen. Yeah. Daddy. Then she could say mommy. And then she has this one thing she says when she doesn't want anything anymore. She says, all gone. All gone, right? When she doesn't want to eat anymore and she doesn't want, all gone, all gone. My wife, when she does her hair and puts it in a ponytail or pigtails, she lets my wife do it. When daddy comes and tries to do her hair, she goes, all gone, all gone, right? She don't want any more of daddy messing with her hair. All gone. Sounds like on gone. And, and one way to remember this weight, this negative weight that the world gives us is, is the stuff we don't want. The stuff we should lay aside and throw off, we want it to be all gone. But here's the reality. I realize that what you suffer doesn't just 
be all gone with the twisting of your hands. Right, you don't just get rid of the fact that maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you can't just throw off that insomnia. Maybe you can't just get rid of this difficult spouse that you're committed to. So I know it doesn't just go all gone. But I was, I was really encouraged. Corey Hamada, who is, he's right here. He's one of our college leaders, and he leads our college ministry, uh, along with Rachel. He, he got to share a message with our college students, and I got to listen to it, and I was so inspired. It was really encouraging. Because Corey pointed out that there's actually another word for wait, and that comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me show you that verse here. It says this, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, meaning temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There's this weight of glory that awaits us, and that weight there is a different word. It's not onkon. As Corey pointed out, it's the word baras. Everyone say baras. One more time, even louder, baras. Baras, translated weight. But this kind of weight is not a, a hindering, negative kind of weight. This kind of weight, in the, in the Greek dictionary, it, it's defined as something that is valuable, of worth of eternal significance. It's like if you have a mentor and he speaks into your life, that mentor's words are weighty. It's meaningful. And so in heaven, we're gonna have this weight of glory that comes upon us and it's gonna be eternally significant and meaningful. That's baros. And the question is, why in the world when we get to heaven will we have to carry weight again? Right? Isn't heaven the place where we're set free and the, the burden is lifted? Why do we have this weight of glory? Well, well Corey, I appreciate this. He said baras is, is an interesting word, and here's how he, he, he remembers it. If you go to the gym, I don't know if you guys ever go to the gym, but there's weights at the gym. And there's a lot of different ways you could try to carry this weight. You could try to lift it like this. Let's see. You could try to lift it like this and try to hold it like this, but I don't know how long I could do that for, so I'm not going to do that anymore. You could, try to, you could try to lift it another way. You could try to lift it like this and hold it up like this, but I don't know how long I could do that for, so I'm going to put it down. There's one more way you could lift this weight. Let's see if I could do this. You could raise the baras. You could raise the baras. I don't know about you guys, but this reminds me a whole lot of the posture of worship. And I know that when I'm in heaven, I know when you're in heaven, and we're beholding the weight of glory, and we're standing in the face of perfection, face to face with Jesus for eternity, I know I'm going to be looking like this. This is how I'm going to behold the weight of glory. And Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, that when we look to heaven, the weight of this glory, everything else, on gone, becomes light and momentary. 
It pales in comparison to the glory that awaits us. So what do we do? Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on perfection that's going to come because I'm not saying, and the Bible's not saying that what you're going through on this earth is insignificant and it's, it's minimal because it's not. It's heavy. But may, maybe this is the way to carry the weight. That if we would just give thanks in all circumstances, if we would just keep worshiping, these things may or may not disappear. But in every circumstance we worship, we fix our eyes on the things that we can be thankful for. We have Jesus. And Philippians 4 says, when we present our requests with thanksgiving, then what? The peace that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. I don't know why I'm out of breath. I could do a whole lot more than that. Trust me, I could do a whole lot more than that, church. But may we be a church that keeps raising the baras. I'm thankful that I'm surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, not just up there, but here on the stage today, people who have testified and witnessed the goodness of God. They give thanks in all circumstances, and may we continue to be that church that keeps raising the baras in all circumstances. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you guys join me in prayer? And so, Father God, we thank you so much that all of us share that same burden, the weight of this world, the onkan. And Lord, we know we we're supposed to cast it off and lay it aside, but sometimes the onkan isn't just all gone, just like that. But we know what also remains, Jesus Christ, our King. Lord, you are unchanging and you remain on the throne and you are sovereign over all. So God, I pray that we would keep on raising the baras, that we would keep thinking about the weight of glory that, that is to come. And if we're going to be worshiping like that with hands raised to the heavens, then and there in heaven, why can't we do that now here on earth? So, Lord, keep our hands raised. Help us to keep worshiping you and not fix our eyes on the things of this earth, but on things above. God, we have so much to be thankful for. We praise you and worship you with all that we have. We can't stop worshiping because you're worth it, but also because the weight is too heavy for us, God. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.